You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Talks Arotere. This is episode 86. Welcome to the Living Inside Out podcast, where we believe the mind is the engine room of your life. Episode 86 is Coming Full Circle a catch-up with talks. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> it's been a minute. The last time I recorded a podcast was in the month of July. It was supposed to be a summer break till September, but September went into October and then November. And you are probably listening to this in December or maybe even later, depending on when you tuned back in. But thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for not forgetting the existence of this podcast. I've missed you. I have missed recording. And I thought I'll just do a quick catch up on what's been happening. So if this is your first time, welcome to Living Inside Out. On this podcast, we talk about faith and mindset and entrepreneurship. My business, The Baby Cut Shop, and another sister company that is not quite out yet, not quite launched yet, I have always said that it exists to teach me lessons. But I've had to stop saying that because the lessons are a bit too many. I can't complain because I wouldn't have anything to share with you if I don't go through challenges. But I've now started to tell my businesses that actually you exist to make me wealthy because that's the whole purpose of creating it in the first place. So I spent a couple of weeks in Lagos, Nigeria with my family. I had the time of my life. Every time I go to Lagos, I come back feeling incredibly inspired and this time was no different. My whole family lived there so I've got my husband and sons here in the UK with me but my immediate family, my siblings, my mom, my dad, they all live in Nigeria so I go there as frequently as I can. Both my parents are in their 80s, they're in great health and I'm thankful to God for that but I want to see them as often as I possibly can. So there is no such thing as going to Nigeria too many times in one year for me. Every opportunity I have, I will take it. So I headed there in uh, October, September, in October and spent two weeks there. As usual, I was inspired. You know, one of the things that got me this time was looking at just the life that people live over there and I had a conversation with every as many people as I could you know from the Uber drivers to the receptionist at the hospital to the hotel receptionist to the waitress just everyone because I like to get into the minds of people and find out what makes them tick and of course how they're surviving so in Nigeria the government the present administration removed the subsidy the Nigerian government had been subsidizing the price of petrol, fuel, diesel for the longest of times. And they decided to take it away because uh, I guess in a, in a bid to grow the economy, 
or to increase revenue for the government, cutting costs, I guess. And of course, a sudden dip in um, subsidy means a sudden increase in the cost for the people. So in the UK, where there have been talks about the, the United Kingdom having a cost of living crisis due to fuel and energy prices going up and everything out there, and of course, let's not add, let's not forget Brexit and everything else. In Nigeria, it's happening primarily because, well, two reasons. Number one, the exchange rate is really crap right now, and the second reason is the removal of the of the subsidy. So people are paying through their nose for something that uh, they were able to, they could just about manage to pay previously. Cars are packed on the sides of the roads. People are not driving as much as they used to because the cost is just too high. I've heard people have quit their jobs because they just, there was, it was pointless. It was costing them more to get to work than what they were being, uh, than what they were earning. But you know, the interesting thing about Nigerians is the resilience, honestly. That's enough of a reason to want to be a Nigerian. It's so you can have some of that resilient spirit. Nigerians are incredibly resilient people. Watching them, yes, there's moaning and everyone's complaining, but they're still going on. You know, people are still pressing forward. People are still doing the best that they can. People are still trying to run businesses in the face of such a monstrous uh, challenge and difficulty. So I want to share my thoughts about Lagos and how I compare it to the UK. My thinking is that Lagosians or Nigerians generally do not strive for comfort. They see comfort as a byproduct, as they strive for something bigger. They strive for their goals. I feel like in the UK, we have very defined um, goals that we're all heading towards. Like people want to be, people want to arrive at a place of just get my own house and get my kids to university or pay off my mortgage or get a good job. And they can see the end of their striving here in the UK. Like we're able to decide exactly what it is we want. And when we get there, we recognize and we stop striving. Whereas in Nigeria, people don't seem to have an end to what they're striving for. They know what they want but it doesn't have a defined end because when they get there, there's more <laughs> to go for, more to aim for. And of course, two very different countries, two different sets of circumstances. In Nigeria, the um, very basic, what we call basic necessities in the UK, the guarantee of light 24 seven, utilities, amenities, everything just working the way that it should means that the things that they strive for in Nigeria and some other African countries are the things that we start from. 
So our goals are very different. I also feel like in Nigeria, people, should I say in Africa, people are so used to obstacles and challenges that they see it as a very normal part of life, not one that they need to correct and fix. But they're like, oh yeah, problems, whatever the problem is, whatever the obstacle is, they see it and they just keep going. It doesn't stop them. It doesn't stop Nigerians. Obstacles don't stop them. Whereas a late train, a train that's late by two minutes or a bus that's missed can get us moaning and complaining here in the UK about the terrible transport system and how the train was late for two minutes. Whereas in Africa, the fact that there's a train is plenty. So I'm not trying to compare oranges and apples or anything like that or demean one country over the other. I'm just saying that the energy of a people who are resilient is extremely desirable, at least for me. And my whole thing while I was there, I'm busy being inspired by everyone from the pepper seller on the street to the receptions, like everyone you speak to has somewhere they're headed. They all have a goal. Whereas I feel like in the UK, the goal is just let's be comfortable. I'm just working until I retire, then I can move to Spain and live the rest of my life. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with striving for comfort, if that's what you want. But for me personally, I felt the fire and the inspiration that came from a people who ignore comfort, ignore obstacles, and just power on for better, for more. Um, we call hiccups challenges in the UK. And then we divert all of our energy to fixing what Lagosians deem to be normal. So that's my whole thing with Lagos. I really had such a good time besides seeing friends and family and just taking a break. You know, when I was leaving, I was going through a, um, just my normal, well, I'm not going to call it normal, but life in London <laughs> as we know it before I left. And I was a little bit stressed and my thinking was, I'm taking my stress with me to Lagos and I'm simply going to stress in a different location. But how wrong I was. I got there and it was like just a different way of living. The peace, the joy, the calmness. And yes, I know it was a holiday. It's not real life. Maybe if it was real life, it would be different because I shared something on Facebook and someone, and I called Lagos a fairy tale. And someone said, why did you call it a fairy tale? And I said, because it's not real life. It's a fairy tale for me. It's a dream. It's not real life for me. I can go there on holiday and have the time of my life for 10 days. But to think that I could live there and constantly have the time of my life, that's a fairy tale. And then he just like told us about how horrible it was and difficult and everything, which we all know. So when I say it's a fairy tale, I don't mean that it's a dream and it's a... Uh, it's, it's perfect. No, far from it. It's perfect if you're there on holiday and you're looking for a break and love and good food and great weather. 
but that's what makes it a fairy tale because that's not real life, not for Lagosians anyway. So it was great <laughs> in a nutshell. The other thing that happened is if you're not following me on social media, then this will be news to you that I did deliver a TED talk. <sighs> this has been on my vision board for the longest of times. And, you know, it didn't happen how I thought it was going to happen. I thought that when it was time for me to do a TED talk, I would be this famous author slash speaker and they will send for me, like Ted would be like, excuse me, madam, we would really be honored if you'd do us, give us the privilege of standing on our red dot and giving a talk. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a famous person and they were going to call me to speak on whatever it was I wanted to speak on because they just wanted to hear me speak. It didn't turn out like that because as you know I'm not a famous person <laughs> um, instead it was a series of small things that happened and it reminds me of an episode a previous episode which I will leave in the show notes which was about it, it was titled recognizing the pieces of your dreams I don't remember what number that was but it's in the show notes recognizing the pieces of your dreams uh, is about knowing that if you're clear about your vision and you're clear about where you're headed and what you want, if you have studied your future intently because you have a vision board and you're always staring at it or because you do vision writing regularly like I teach in my courses, when you run across a piece of that dream, you'll recognize it because it doesn't always show up the way that we wanted it to, but it might show up in pieces. A bit like a jigsaw puzzle. If you're doing a jigsaw puzzle of a car and a piece of the car has a black rubber with lines on it, you'd recognize it as a tire and you'd be like, yeah, this is part of it. That's how our dreams show up, our, our future. You may have a very clear picture of what you want it to look like, but you don't one day arrive there because it's not a destination. What happens is it shows up in random little pieces on your path and it's only if you recognize it that, that you're able to pick them up. So that was what happened with my TED Talk. I saw uh, somebody had posted on social media that he was planning a, a TED event I sent a message and said, I'm really, really interested. I don't know how many people applied, but I knew it was hundreds. And hey, I got in. But let me tell you that the day that the I, I got a, a text to say that they were not very sure that my talk sat well with the theme, which was community and connections, I was having a really bad day. I was having an incredibly bad day and I just was, I just really, I read, I was driving, I was heading to the north of the country and I saw the text and I just said, you know what, I don't even think I want to do it anymore because I'm tired. The lesson I learned from that was 
I saw this somewhere. Learn to rest when you're tired and not quit. Well, I was tired. I was weary. And in that moment, nothing else mattered except my weariness. So when I got the text saying, we're not sure if this is going to fit in because um, we can't find the line, the through line, I just ignored the text and I thought, oh, that's fine. There will be be other opportunities. I'm not even interested anymore. And the Holy Spirit said to me, but it's on your vision board. See, my vision board has been sitting on my mantelpiece for years and um, I sort of forgotten about it. I know it's there, but I don't really look at it intently as much. There are parts of it that just constantly stick out. Ted happens to be in the top right corner. So that sticks out. I'm always seeing it, but it's not, it's not on my mind consciously. And that's the great thing about a vision board is that it allows you to feed your subconscious of the future that you want so that you can continue to work. Your, your, your life continues to work in the background to make it happen. So I was ready to, to quit. I was ready to not give up. I was ready to, I felt like I would happily do the test, but I'll, the, the talk, but I'll, I want to do it in, in more suitable circumstances, not where I am right now. And the only reason I responded and then later got another text to say, actually, no, we can see it now. So yeah, definitely. We're happy to have you on. The only reason I went ahead was because I remembered that emotions were temporal and I was feeling emotional and feeling like crap, but that feeling was temporal and it was going to pass. Did not mean to rhyme, but it happened. (laughs) So I want to encourage you to um, not allow your emotions to tell you what time it is. Because this is huge for me. This is something that I stuck on my board a good 11 years ago. 2011 or 2012, I put it on my vision board. It was 2012. And I was about to blow it away because I was feeling emotional. The talk is titled, The Superpower of Authentic Storytelling. And I share my rock star story. So it will be out soon if you're listening to this uh, after December or after the month of November, then it's on YouTube by now, I'm sure. It's called The Superpower of Authentic Storytelling. Actually, what I will do is whenever it comes out, I'm going to come back to this episode and pop the link in the show notes. So that was, um, that, that got me nervous. I think I'll talk a little bit more about it after it comes out and I'll tell you the build up to it and how I felt and the different emotions and lessons that came out of it. Something else that happened on my way back from Lagos, I contracted food poisoning. I came back via Frankfurt. So I had a connecting flight from Frankfurt, used Lufthansa. And I got, went from Lagos to Frankfurt, Germany and I mean, Germany layover, it was a long one because I did not look when I was booking my ticket and I'm there for hours and hours and my stomach starts to hurt. So I'm like, okay, what's this? I read up, um, couldn't understand what the matter was. It was just pain initially. 
So I started to look and I read up and, and I began to, I think I suspected it was food poisoning because there's really no reason why my stomach should hurt. So I read online and couldn't find a pharmacy in the hotel, in the, in the airport, headed down to um, a food court to go buy ginger ale because that's what the Google doctor recommended. So I go to look for, I go there, I'm on the line, I'm standing in line and I mean, the airport is state of the art. It's wonderful. They even have air, they even have pods where you can sleep in there. Perfect. But missing in food courts, there's like only two in the terminal I was, there were only two places you could buy food. Very spacious, beautiful place. And then it's like, maybe it was a minimalist that built it. I don't know, but or that designed it. Anyway, I eventually get some fizzy drinks. I try that. I just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And I end up in the bathroom, kneeling down on the ground, my head stuck in the toilet and retching. I was in so much pain and discomfort that the airline considered not letting me fly because they said it was better for me not to leave at all than for me, for them to have to turn back halfway to London. Hmm. I started praying. I've prayed for healing and I have been healed multiple times and prayed for family members and they've been healed. I've also prayed and nothing has happened. So this time I prayed with all the faith I could muster with my hand on my stomach praying and begging God for a miracle of healing because I could not continue. I was in dire pain. And God said to me, this is hard, but you can handle it. And I knew that I was not going to be relieved of the pain, but I felt God's presence with me, that he was with me. He wasn't going to leave me. He was going to be with me and we're going to ride this thing together, but the pain will remain. I know it sounds like heresy. God didn't bring the pain on me, but all I know is I heard the words, this is hard, but you can handle it. So eventually I get on the plane and I put my head down. The crew were wonderful, made me some chamomile tea. Then I was now double-minded and worried and thinking, oh my gosh, what if it makes it worse? But anyway, <laughs> I ended up just putting the hot cup of tea on my belly because I just needed something to soothe it. So I'm on the plane going back. It's only an hour but it was the longest hour of my life, <laughs> apart from labor. <laughs> so I now sort of doze off and I, I just began to think of all the times when I've wanted to get out of bed in the morning or I've promised myself I'm going to get up early and I'm going to start my day early. And um, I'm like, it's too cold. I'm loving my duvet. And I stay in bed for another hour or two because I thought it was hard to get up. And I thought about all the times when I know I should do a little bit more in my business or I should have a meeting with somebody or even record a podcast episode or do some writing for a few hours for my book. And I don't do it because I think it's hard. I thought all those times it was never hard. This right here, this is hard. 
I'm never complaining again. And that's the energy with which I came back to England, just a determination to work hard, work smart, not complain, stay focused. That's all for me from now. Next week, we go back to our usual topical podcasts and I can't wait to hear what you're, you've been up to. I've got two episodes lined up before the year runs out where I'm going to be talking about lessons learned in 2023. One is going to be with my friend Susie. We had one two years ago and it was a blast. And the second one's going to be with my friend Titi. And if she's listening to this podcast, she just found that out now because I haven't had that conversation with her. (laughs) But in the meantime, head to my Instagram slash Facebook and let's connect there. My handle is at talksarotere.com. And if you want to learn more, about some of the courses that I'm running, coaching courses and so on, head to my website, talksarotere.com. And can I ask, especially since we're starting again after a long break, that you refer the podcast to your friends and family, send them the link, ask them to listen, ask them to subscribe if they like it. And please, I ask that you also Give me a five-star review if you haven't done one, as well as subscribe to Living Inside Out. We're back. (laughs) Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.